Welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Crystal Guayco, and I will be your host for today. If you want more information about Miami Church or would love to get connected, email us at hello at mammychurch.com. Without further ado, here's the message. Enjoy! There's not a lot of things in life that are certain. And again, I wish this were different, but what's certain? Death and taxes and, and pain. And I know it's not a shock when I say that, but it's like, really? Pain and struggle, is it a reality? And it is. It's real. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus promised. He said, this will happen. In fact, these are the very words that Jesus said. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. He says, there will be pain. Life will be hard. There'll be trouble and hardships and struggle and heartache. (laughs) I remember when uh, my son was in second grade and I went to pick him up from school. And I I go to the pickup line and immediately when I see him, I see that his eyes are swollen and there's tears in his eyes and he's all upset and and, and my heart is breaking. And he says, Dad, I I had a terrible day. Well, Well, buddy, what? What happened? And he says, my friends were mean to me today. And at recess, they wouldn't let me play. They wouldn't choose me to be on my team. My heart is breaking as a, as a dad. And I'm so sorry. And as his dad, I don't want to crush his spirit. I mean, I'm not a negative person. But, but what do we know? This is life. This is real life. This is what happens. You know it. I know it. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. There are kids at school who are not nice. You will be made fun of. Kids will call you names. You will be left out. Kids will try to get you to do things and say things that are wrong. And as a parent, I'm trying to prepare him for life, right? Real life. But what? It, it's hard. It's really hard. I know I'm old and I'm struggling. It's, it's hard for me. How about you? Is it hard? Any, any hands out there? I mean, in fact, right now, pause for a moment. What, are you struggling, like right now? I mean, put it in the chat. Is there pain and heartache that you're experiencing? I remember when I was in college, uh, I had this mentor, and he had this saying. He would say this all the time probably not as much as I think he did, but he would even say, there's three people in the room. You're either going into a hard season, you're in the middle of a hard season, or you're just coming out of a hard season. And I remember sitting there as a 19-year-old kid going like, geez, buddy, you're such a cheery fellow. Thanks for the encouragement. But, but it's true, right? Life has a way of just beating you down of squashing your hopes and dreams, of of leading you toward discouragement and despair. Now, here's the question we want to look at in this series, in this conversation that we're calling Better For It. When you're in pain, when your life is hard, when you're facing crisis, the question is, how do you respond? Like, how how do you handle it? And kind of the the angle or the big idea for this series is, hey, if pain is a reality, don't just get through it, actually be better for it. 
or, or the subtitle, Pain Without Gain is a Shame. See, pain is promised. I'm in pain. You're in pain. There is struggle. There is heartache. How is it that we're going to respond? Now, one of the things that, that I've noticed, I see it in me, I see it uh, in people that I interact with, and, and, I, and it happens, and I don't like it, but it's a reality. When we experience pain and a heartache and struggle, one of the ways that we react is that we become, this ugly word, cynical, distrustful, bitter, pessimistic, cynical. Now, there's a healthy amount of cynicism, but, but what we're talking about here is that, is that nasty thing that, that creeps into me, and it can creep into you, and it gets inside of you, and it gets into your heart, and it's ugly, and it looks like this. You know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm a pastor in a global city, and what do we know about global cities? People are constantly coming and going. People are coming and going. People that you care for. People that you love. And over the past years, right, myself, my family, right, we've had so many close family friends. They leave, right? They move out of the city and then throw on top of it COVID. And all of a sudden, a, a room full of people and boom, they're gone. And the rising cost can't afford to live here. And what happens? Cynicism begins to creep in. And you begin to think things or say things like this. Well, well, I just can't get close to anyone. I mean, everyone's going to leave. And this nasty cynicism, it, it embeds inside your heart, inside of you, and, and it's ugly. And I don't like to admit it, but I see it in me. I, I see it all around me. My kids attend a local public elementary school, and, and it's a good school. It, it, it's okay, we, we've, we've been happy there, but my wife will say to me, hey, uh, Greg, will you go by the, uh, by the school office today, and da, 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 and I'm like, no, absolutely not. I, I would choose anything over going to the school office, because going to the school office is more painful than having a root canal, because every time I go into the school office, I feel like I need to walk in there and apologize to the staff. Hey, I'm so sorry for making you do your job. See, see, my experience is I've never had a pleasant one. They're not kind. They don't show me any kind of respect when I go in the office. And, and I'm tempted to say, to stand in the middle of the office and go, hey, what happened? See, because at some point, and this is true of you and me, right? You got into this. You started this job because you cared, right? You did care. I mean, maybe you wanted to help people. Maybe you care about kids. Maybe you care about education. I mean, you start a job. You start a career with hope, right? You start it with purpose. But what happens over time? Not overnight. Over time, right? Parents are rude. And I get it. I know a ton of parents in, in the school, and there are some really, really rude parents. Or, or, hey, it's harder than you thought. Yes, it's harder than you thought. Well, the politics of the school system, or the pay is not great, or my parking spot's too far from the office, and it's, and it's raining, or, or I have to get here so early in the morning I can't sleep in. And what happens? Over time, not overnight, right? It, it, it creeps in, and, and you become jaded, and you become cynical. Now, as a parent, one of the good ones, hey, best one in the school, Right, right. I avoid you at all cost. Don't go to the school office. Whatever you do. Now it's easy to pick on the office staff at the local elementary school, but but 
But it's hard to see this in the mirror. It's hard to look in the mirror and own my own cynicism. Hey, I'm cynical. Hey, I'm jaded. I've let it creep into my heart. Well, they're, they're just going to let me down. I mean, eventually, that's what people do. Everyone has. Or, or hey, man, they're just, they're just going to leave. That's what people do. Very few people commit. And here's what I know about me, and I know this about you. I didn't set out to, to be cynical and jaded. And you, you don't set out to be cynical and jaded. But the pain and the struggle and the heartache, it easily turns us in this direction. I mean, I started out, you start. we were optimistic, right? Even, even, even hopeful. I mean, in your early, in early 20s, you're, you're just downright idealistic. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to make the world a better place. And, and there's all so much enthusiasm, and you intend on doing it. But what happens? How do you go from idealistic to cynical in just a few short years? You've seen it. I've seen it. You know, your friend who has her heart broken Many times, now think, well, no man can be trusted. Or your optimistic college roommate who went into investment banking is convinced all of his colleagues are simply in it for themselves, which is exactly why he is now. Or your neighbor who's a cop, he's seen too much, too many times to believe the best in anyone. Or your teammate at work shuts down every idea you bring to the table, instantly listing all the reasons this strategy is doomed to fail. I mean, why? I mean, why so cynical. Why do you see it in you? Why do we see it in others? Well, here's what I believe. I believe cynicism is not because you don't care, that that you actually have cynicism because you do. See, it starts because you poured your life, you poured your passion, your heart into something and got little in return, or maybe you got something in return, but it was the opposite of what you had hoped or desired. See, you, you fall in love only to see the relationship dissolve, or you, you throw your heart into your job only to be told that you're being let go. See, most cynics are former optimists. You would never know it now, right? Because there's so much cynicism and jadedness and bitterness. But, but there was a time, right? When, when they were hopeful, when they were enthusiastic, even cheerful. See, there's something inside of you and there's something inside of me. It's in the human spirit. We want to hope. We want to think that things will get better. Nearly everyone starts life with a positive, positive outlook. So, so what happens? What happens to you? What happens to me? How does it happen well one of the things is is you just know too much you know too much and you think knowledge is always a good thing and there's a there's a lot of good things about knowledge but but strangely enough knowledge will often sadden you if your heart hadn't been broken a dozen times by different people you would find it easier to develop friendships right If your business partner hadn't sold you out and gutted the company, you might still be an entrepreneur. If your neighbors hadn't been so difficult, you might never have wanted to build a fence. But you know too much. You've experienced too much. You've experienced heartbreak and betrayals and backstabbing and pain, and struggle, and you just understand, well, people will just let you down. 
You've seen that, that, that people, well, people can't be trusted, you know. Oh, or how about this one? You know, love, love just hurts. And you realize that, that people, all, all people, they're just fickle and selfish. And, and you recognize that not everyone succeeds despite good intentions and even best efforts. And sometimes knowledge and experience, it brings sorrow. Because the more you know, the more you will see life for what it really is. Well, I know how this ends. I mean, I, I, I know where this is going. And the problem with this, and the problem with letting this kind of bitterness and cynicism and jadedness get into you, to your, to your life and into your heart is that it caps your potential. It crushes your dreams. So what's the answer? What do we do? I mean, once a cynic, always a cynic? See, I, I don't believe that. I believe that cynicism in you and me is a choice. That life doesn't make you and me cynical. That, that I make me cynical. Cynicism will keep you from living the life you want to live. It will keep you from fulfilling your grandest purpose. And probably the cruelest, the worst part about cynicism is this idea of this loss of hope. Because hope is truly the oxygen for the soul. Hope makes you believe that the future can be better than the past, that next time can be different, and that my heart can actually feel again. See, hope is life. Without hope, we die. Hope is the oxygen for our soul. There was a guy named Paul, and he would write letters to churches that he helped start, and there was a church that he uh, helped start in a city called Ephesus. And in that, he writes them a letter and the letter addresses this idea. In fact, if you look closely at what he's saying, it gives you clues on how you can kick cynicism in the teeth. And the letter is it's called Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning verse 15. Here's what Paul says. He says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord, Jesus, and your love for God's people everywhere. Now, context. Paul's in prison. He's not been able to visit in five years, and so he's sending messengers back and forth, and every time a messenger comes back, he keeps hearing about their faith. Now, we know faith is simply confidence, so he hears about their confidence in Jesus. Their confidence is strong, and then he keeps hearing about their, their love. They're just, they're, they're just love. They love people and the way that they treat people, and it's growing and thriving. Clue right here. You want to kick cynicism in your heart, in the teeth? There's a clue right here. Practice hospitality. We talk about this idea all the time, right? Not close-handed, but open-handed. Openness to new people. Share a meal. Sit around the table. Grab some coffee. Ask questions. Listen to their story. See, hospitality has a, a way of squashing cynicism. Now, as, as your pastor here at Miami Church... I just want to say and just brag on our church for a minute. I hear it almost every single week. But the, if, you, if, if you ever come to 2150 right here physically, you, you're going to meet some of the nicest people in the city. There's a value of hospitality, of being open-handed, not closed-handed. Paul says, he continues, verse 16, he says, I hear these reports, and I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, your faith in Jesus, your love for you. It drives me to pray for you. And he says, I pray a prayer of thanksgiving. God, thank you for these followers of Jesus who are growing in their confidence of you. God, who are growing in their love for people. And, and that no matter what happens tomorrow, 
or next month or next year. They're standing firm and resisting cynicism and bitterness. And here's his prayer, 17. Here's my prayer, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, look what he says, to give you spiritual wisdom, insight, so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. They don't get stuck into that language, glorious Father. What is he saying? He's saying, look at this. I'm praying that Jesus will give you what? Spiritual wisdom, supernatural wisdom, and insight. This is, this is like knowing God beyond the surface. This is like knowing God deeply. Like this is getting into the heart and integrity of God. Why? Because there will be times. If you follow Jesus, there will be times when God doesn't make sense. There will be times when you are frustrated and you'll say, I don't understand, but God, I'm going to trust you anyway. See, Innate in this idea is this idea of curiosity, of wonder, of seeking, of exploring, of asking questions, of seeking to understand. Like, God, I don't get it. I don't understand, but I want to know, and so I'm going to lean in. Instead of run, I'm going to lean in. See, there's a principle here. Curious people are never cynical, and cynical people are never curious. Why? Because curious people are always leaning in. They're always interested. They're always hopeful. They're always open. In fact, I would say the number one way to combat cynicism, curiosity. Pause. What aspect of Jesus are you most curious about? Like, what is it where you go, like, oh, I got some questions there. I'm not sure about that, or I'm puzzled about that. I would say pause. Go after it. Go after it. Get up early. Journal. Read. Write about it. What is Jesus saying? He continues his prayer, verse 18. He says, oh, this, I love it. I pray that, the, that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has to those he has called, his holy people, right? Look, at the, the language here is like this idea. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light so that you can see clearly. See, I, I want you to see, I want you to see clearly so that you can have confident hope. Now look, listen. Pain happens, struggle happens, heartache is real. This is not an ignore it, bury your hand in the sand, or just get through it, just suck it up. No, 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 no. Paul is saying, listen, I want the eyes of your heart to be flooded because if you could really see, if you could see the big picture, if you had full perspective, you would not lose hope. In fact, he would say you would have confident hope. He's saying, hold on to hope no matter what's going on because there is more happening than you can see with your eyes. There is a grander, bigger plan. 19. <laughs> he says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's hand on the heavenly realms. See, God understands our world. He understands how brutal we are and often how awful human nature can be he sees how violent we can be look at the news toward one another toward ourselves he sees our our cruelty and without god's intervention in the narrative of the human story life would just be absolutely nasty and brutish and short but the good news instead of letting our inhumanity have the final word god actually entered the mess in in human form through jesus and Jesus conquered hate with love. See, we humans, humankind, we threw the worst of humanity directly at Jesus. Think about his story. Hatred, abuse, ridicule, rejection, even death. And God turned it all into life. Life. 
not just life for himself, but life for us, for you, for me, for humanity, for the very people who actually killed his son, Jesus. The cynics thought they were winning on the last Thursday of Jesus' life. They were certain they had the final word on Friday, what we call Good Friday. Oh, they were in control. Despair had won. I mean, even his disciples, these 12 guys who gave up everything to follow him, they thought it was over. They went home. They went fishing. But nobody, I mean nobody, saw Sunday coming. Nobody saw hope rising. No one saw love breaking out of the ashes of hate. Nobody saw Jesus coming back. And the remarkable part of following Jesus, of of giving your life to Jesus, of believing in Jesus, is not just that we have a Savior who can deliver us, but it's this, is that we have a Savior, his name is Jesus, who sees us for who we really are. And he loves us anyway. Jesus stared hate in the face and he met it with love. He confronted despair, and he made it abundantly clear that it would not win. The thrust of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is this. Jesus sees your hate, and he meets it with love. Jesus sees your despair, and he counters it with hope. Jesus sees your doubt, my doubt, and he lobs belief back at us over and over and over again. See, cynicism, bitterness jadedness melts under the relentless hope of the gospel because your past isn't your future your story is not over bitterness cannot linger under the relentless assault of love hope cannot die if jesus is really alive because jesus kicked cynicism in the teeth and you and i can too through his power hope is not dead And that's the invitation to you and to me today is is reject cynicism, receive hope, trust again, hope again, believe again. Look what Jesus says. He says, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, in this world, you will have trials and sorrow. There will be pain, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Look what he says. He says, in this world, there will be pain. There is pain. You are in pain. I am in pain. But at the same time that I'm in pain and you're in pain, you can simultaneously, through the power of Jesus, experience peace. You can have peace. So, yes, I'm in pain and I'm struggling and it's hard and sometimes I don't know and the only thing I know to do is put one foot in front of the other and just to keep going. But at the same time, while I'm struggling, I can experience Peace, supernatural peace. And then he says, hey, don't give up. Don't quit. Because because there is ultimately hope. There's hope because of me. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't just get through it. Don't just, oh, I'm going to suck it up. No, 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 no. Pain without gain is a shame. Don't just get through it. Be better for it. God, what are you trying to teach us? How can we grow? God, open our ears. Open our eyes. May we lean in. May we be a people. May we be a, a, a community, a church of leaner ends, God. Instead of running, can we lean in? This is so countercultural. This is so counter just everything inside of us that we lean toward the pain. Go, God, what it is? What is it that you're trying to teach me? God, I love our church. I love our community. 
best is yet to come. Great things are coming our way. God, I pray that we would unite together to grow and be transformed by your power and to become, become people that we can never own our own. So God, thank you for Jesus and all that he's given us. And we pray in his mighty name, amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at miamichurch.com. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith.